Welcome to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga. I'm joined, as always, by Paul Hoynes, our Tribe beat writer. Uh, Paul getting ready to head out to Toronto to uh, start the the second to last road trip of the uh, of, of season. Correct? Uh, yeah. Not, not much. Not many left. But uh, before you guys head out, uh, a lot of lot of news, a lot of changes here uh, for the Tribe in the past week. Chief among them is the addition of Josh Donaldson in a August waiver trade with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Paul, uh, we, we don't know exactly uh, who is going to be the player to be named later for uh, Donaldson, but according to uh, Chris Antonetti, it's, it's going to be somebody who's, uh, who's pretty talented. Yeah, I, I think the, uh, from what I've heard, um, it's going to be uh, um, Merriweather, kid that um, – you know, was in spring training. He signed a 40-man. He blew out his elbow in spring training. And, uh, signed, you know, had to go to, to get Tommy John. And that's who the guy's going to be. It was, you know, I'm pretty sure Ross Atkins and, and Shapiro drafted this guy. So, you know, they've got a good uh, feel for him. And uh, uh, and that's that's why I think, you know, the, the, the player to be named doesn't have to be named until, what, after the 2019 season because, you know, this guy's going to take a year to rehab. So, right. I don't know, maybe the Indians pay, do the rehab, and uh, if it doesn't work, they, they go to another guy. All right. Uh, as far as Donaldson, he Julian wasted, Mary, Merriweather. Julian, Julian, Julian Merriweather is the name of the, uh, the pitcher. You're right. Uh, as far as Donaldson's concerned, he, he didn't waste any time uh, – uh, the, the tribe put him back on the 10-day DL. He went down to Columbus, and in the, the Clippers' final game of the season, he, he blasted a grand slam in his third at bat. Uh, and uh, I, I believe he played again uh, 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 Wednesday night in, in Akron. Yeah, and he hit another home run. So uh, for, the, for the rubber ducks, and they're in the Eastern League uh, playoffs, and uh, he homered, I think, in his second or third at bat, a two-run homer. I watched the video of it. it. Looked like it was just a pop up, and it just kept carrying. Uh, so, the, what is he, the bringer of rain? There Maybe, you go. <laughs> yeah. So. And, and and it rained here across Northeast Ohio. Uh, yeah, exactly. So maybe that's a good sign. You know, Joe, I was watching him uh, uh, not today, but yesterday, work out with the Indians. You know, we were both watching. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, you know, he sprayed the ball around during BP. Showed some power. Showed some bad control. But what impressed me is, you know, how he handled third base. Uh, you know, definitely testing that uh, that uh, strained left uh, calf muscle. You know, he's moving around. He's making throws across the diamond. I think that's a good sign. And from all, you know, the quotes I've read and and, and from listening to him, he seems he thinks his body is in great shape and he's ready to go. So, you know, keep your fingers crossed and we'll see how this works. Uh, you know, it's the, the only troubling thing to me is, I hate making, you know, big changes in a lineup this late in the season. And it, it, it kind of, you know, smacks of desperation almost. You hate seeing, you know, the, the, the core of the team kind of get unsettled right as you're going into the most important part of the season. You know, I think that's a concern. We saw it last year. Uh, you know, Kipnis really didn't do anything to hurt the Indians, you know, when he went to center field, especially in the ALDS. But – I don't think he really helped them either. You know, it, right. you miss that having that premier center fielder. And are they going to do that again? That's, that's the thing that, that kind of bothers me. Well, and, and the thing is there really isn't a premier center fielder on the roster right now uh, all around. I mean, Greg Allen, 
uh, does a nice job out there and has done a nice job out there in the time he's spent in center. Uh, a- after Greg Allen and, you know, Roger Davis uh, necessarily, uh, it, there, there's a, quite a bit of a drop-off. So you would, you would trade it for Leonis Martin uh, at the deadline and, and thought you would short up that, that spot, but, but it didn't work out that way when he uh, got the bacterial infection and got sick and, and his season ended. So, you know, you're right. This does feel like a desperation move, but I really do feel like uh, Francona's hand is forced uh, into a, a move like this because you're seeing improvement, uh, you know, slow incremental improvement out of Kipnis lately at the plate, he's, he's putting together multi-hit games and he's, he's looking a little more comfortable up there. You have to keep his bat in the lineup. If, if, you know, I, I think at this point, yeah, and, I, and the know, only way to do that is in center. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I know that I, I understand that. Uh, and I thought, you know, what Kipnis said, uh, you know, what, what you wrote in this, in, in your story yesterday, I mean, you know, he brought this on himself, you know, with, five months of subpar, uh, you know, performance at the plate. If he had played better, they wouldn't have had to make this move. Um, but, and, and I guess you can, you know, you can start Kipnis, you know, can play five, six innings in center field. Then you can uh, defense, uh, you know, Allen, or if Raja makes a roster, you know, you can, you can always protect yourself that way. I, I just, you know, I just remember, you know, and this is no fault of uh, Kipnis. I mean, he hasn't been out there you know, for just, what, 10, 12 games last year. But, you know, people are going to – his arm is going to get exposed. People are going to take the extra base. And in the postseason, that, that, that is a huge, huge difference. And it can make the difference in a ball game. And we saw it with the Yankees. And that's the only thing that, that's – you know, the down, that's the only downturn in this deal. Now, of course, you know, Donaldson has to be healthy and he has to play. And – this is a guy that hasn't played a big league game since May 28th. And what is he going to do when he gets to big league pitching, especially in the postseason? I mean, he's going to be behind. I mean, it, it's, you know, that's, I mean, there, there's no getting around that, no matter how good a hitter you are. Is, is there enough time for him to, to get integrated and acclimated and, and, and become a part of the team with, with, you know, 25 days of, of September left and, you know, it's it. It doesn't seem like something that you can just snap your fingers and have it happen. But uh, I think that's what Francona and, and Antonetti are sort of banking on being able to do. Yeah, and it's not like you're going to be able to play this guy 25 games in a row. No, you know, you, I mean, he's going to have to when when he does come off the DL, he's going to play what five innings. Then you probably take him out. Then he's going to rest. Then he's maybe you know he plays two games in a row. Then he's going to rest. And you know, I don't think fitting in with the team is going to be a problem. I think, you know, on-the-field performance is going to be the problem. All right. Well, uh, really no, uh, no other development in terms of uh, any of the injuries that the Indians are dealing with. Uh, right now, Andrew Miller is throwing off a flat ground, and, and he's progressing. But uh, I think – He might throw a bullpen tomorrow in, in right. Toronto. Right. That's the, the word was a bullpen in Toronto. Um, as far as Trevor Bauer is concerned, no update there. Um, in the yeah, last I told you, I, I was talking to Antonetti today. He said he is progressing. You know, he's, he's continuing to progress. Um, he, uh, but, you know, and they're still hopeful that, you know, when he returns, it'll be as a starter, you know, and, you know, that's, you know, that's a, a, an interesting concept here because 
what was the uh, prognosis, Joe? Four to six weeks? Four to six, yeah. And, uh, you know, so if it, you know, we're at, I think, third week, fourth week right now, right? Right. Going into the fourth week. Um, I, I'm sure Trevor's arm is going to be in shape. You know, and I think he's, you know, he's been playing long toss. He's been throwing bullpen sessions. Um, but, uh, you know, like you were saying, like we were talking the other day, the command, the curveball, all of that stuff. You know, when you when you miss four or five starts, you know, and you're going down the stretch, I mean, could he end up in the bullpen? That's that's what I'm wondering. And is that necessarily the worst option if you if you do it? I don't think it, it is. If even if you if you look at what happened uh, over the weekend or with uh, with Tampa Bay in town, and you saw their uh, their opener strategy, yeah, where where you start. Maybe you start a guy like a, a Bieber or a, a Plutko and have him go an inning or two or or three with with good stuff, and then bring in a, a longer option like a like a Bauer or a, you know just just sort of try and mix and match and piece in in a playoff series. You know, let let Carrasco, let Kluber, uh, even let Clevenger get uh, a start here or there, but and and try to go as deep as they can. But these game, these playoff games lately are are won more in like segments than they are, you know. You're not going to see a starter go seven innings deep. That's the rarity. That's the exception nowadays. Yeah, and you know they had that bullpen game in 2016 against Toronto, which they mm-hmm. won. Uh, you know when Bauer had to leave with with the after the drone drone attack finger started bleeding, mm-hmm. uh, and he couldn't stay in the game. And they did a great job. You know that was kind of the. Uh, Maybe the uh, forerunner of the of the close of the opener, you know. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's where uh, Cash got the idea. So they're used to doing that. I think that, and I think they could maybe employ that. I was thinking, you know, if if Bauer doesn't come back in time and he, he can't start, do you go with the three man uh, rotation? Which I, I, you know, I I really dislike three man rotations in in the bull, in the playoffs. But could you go with, uh, you know, Kluber? Uh, Carrasco and Clevenger, then put like you were saying, you know, even Bieber or, or Pluto or or Bauer in the pen, you know, and and maybe you uh, you know bring Bauer in for two innings, mm-hmm. you know, the first two innings, and then you bring in uh, you know like a Bieber or or maybe you bring in Clevenger. I don't know, you know, or you just for that fourth game, I guess. Uh, yeah, you would have to you know mix and match there in the fourth game. Well, what I like is the idea that that Beaver would come in and he, you know, he would throw strikes. You know, he wouldn't walk a bunch of guys, which in the playoffs with your bullpen is pretty much essential, especially in those in those you know sixth, seventh innings where a team can get back in a game if you get that if you give them base runners. You can shorten games that way by bringing in a kid like like Beaver who doesn't know any better and just goes out there and throws strikes. Yeah, it'd be like Ryan Merritt, you know. I mean, just uh, what he did. Uh, you know, you have to have kind of have to be a cool cookie to do that. You know, that's uh, that's you can't be uh, what 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 did uh, what's his face? Uh, the he can't be Batista like Batista. You no. can't be shaking in your boots. No, you can't be shaking in your boots. Your, your cowboy boots, and then you've got uh, you got Merritt's cowboy boots uh, by his locker after that. Uh, Hey, uh, I just wanted to mention uh, the other night uh, we had uh, we had what four Indians get hit by by pitches uh, yeah. against the Kansas City Royals. And it got us to doing some research, and uh, you know I was all prepared uh, today's game story. I was I was ready to write about the brawl that would have been ensued. Uh, yeah, Mike Clevenger issuing warnings to the Kansas City uh, 
pitching staff after the game saying, hey, we got some arms that can, can throw the ball too. Uh, the, the last time the Indians brawled that I could find with the, uh, with the Royals was back in 2012 uh, when Shinsu Chu got uh, hit by a pitch and then Gene Mar Gomez, uh, you know, throws it, Gomez. Th- uh, hits Mike Moustakis for the Royals. Uh, also went all the way back and, and, and looked at 87 at the old municipal stadium. Uh, Brett Butler uh, got buzzed and then charged the mound against Danny Jackson for the, uh, for the Royals <laughs> uh, in 1987 in a game at municipal stadium that, and I'm sure was, was, uh, you know, back around the time when you had first started on the beat. Yeah. I re- you know, when you told me that I was thinking about that and I remember a game at the old stadium uh, where uh Hippolito Pachado from the from the Royals threw at Albert Bell. Oh. Albert Bell charged him out, and Hippolito Pachado looked like a, an NFL uh, defensive back backpedaling. He was <laughs> he was the fastest. That was the fastest backpedal I've ever seen. And Albert couldn't catch him. And I think he finally got him around first base, and he got into a fight with the first baseman and Pachado. But Pachado was like gone. He was he was in like in center field. <laughs> He was into that back pedal pretty quick, huh? Oh, man, he, was, he wanted no part of, of an angry Albert Bell. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting how I, we sort of, you know, late in that game, I sort of went from zero to, uh, you know, hunting down as much information about, uh, you know, Royals and Indians brawls as, as we could, could find. But, you know, we're in, in September, and the Royals are 30 games out of first place, and the Indians' magic number is down to uh, nine, could be eight here any minute now. Yeah. Uh, you know, is there a chance that they, they, they still play Chicago and Detroit, you know, coming up? Is, there, is that ever in the, the back of their minds to worry about, you know, uh, we, hell, we saw Carlos Carrasco's season end with a broken hand on a line drive. I mean, yeah, one of these guys gets, gets plunked or gets, you know, beamed yeah. or something like that. And I think that's the general manager's worst nightmare you know you talk to Chris Antonetti right now he's sweating out he's he's sweating out every game in in September he knows he's got the division one he wants to wrap these guys in bubble wrap you know play them just enough then get them out of there you don't want anybody pulling a hamstring you don't want anybody getting hit by a line drive or getting hit by a pitch and breaking a hand you know it it, it can uh, you really upset the apple cart it can really ruin a season you know or to, you know, take a season in a, in a direction you don't want it to go when everything is going your way, or you know, you're you're pretty fortunate to you, what you got. You've got a 15 and a half game lead, whatever it is. Uh, 96.4 miles an hour up and into Frankie Lindor could would make any general <clears throat> manager, uh, you know, swallow his lunch. Uh, but but then Frankie turns around and says, "Yeah, you know, the rest of the guys on the team all got hit with, uh, with curveballs, <laughs> And he's like, Oh, please hit me with a curveball. That's uh, yeah, right. I mean, I don't think there was, there was some, I don't know if there, if that kid that uh, Birch, you know, if the pitch slipped, but it certainly looked, uh, it was up by the head and you don't like to, you don't like to see anything ever up by the, up by the head. Though. It was up by the head in his first at bat after he had homered yeah. in his previous two. That looks suspicious. That's, that's what looks, you know, a, a little bit curious to me, but. You know, hey, it's baseball, and and they they get them back the end of the season they, they, in Kansas City. So who who knows? We might uh, we, we might still have a chance for something there. Uh, let's uh, let's get into some questions, uh, some some reader questions uh, that were submitted. Did you get any from uh, from the folks out there? Who? Uh... Yeah, I, I got one uh, from Gary. Uh, he wants Tito to kick butt in the clubhouse. He thinks <laughs> the Indians are lackadaisical, and he wants them to. Uh, 
he wants uh, the manager to uh, really kind of put a charge in these guys in September. He doesn't want them going into the uh, postseason, you know, losing games or, you know, going, going at half speed. He really wants Tito to take over. And, uh, you know, I, I think, Joe, you know, you know that, that's good to say. And, and, and you know, I, I think, you know, from the outside looking in, you're, you're sitting there thinking, yeah, you know, these guys should be, you know, they should be a little more energetic. Uh, but the worst thing a manager can do, I think, at, at any point of the season is change. You know, you can't mm-hmm. go from being, uh, you know, uh, uh, you can't go from being uh, Tito Francona, you know, a communicator, you know, kind of a low-key guy to being uh, Vince Lombardi. You can't be- become a screamer because then, you know, the, the, the players pick up on that and they know something is wrong then. And I think it throws the whole clubhouse off. I think these guys – will be motivated enough. They might not, you know, it might not be a great September, but they're still on pace to win like 92 games. So, I mean, 92 games, that's not, you know, you got to take that if you can get it. It's not 102, but it's still a damn good season. So I think, you know, you've got to, this isn't football. You, you, You play 162 games. And I think keeping a consistent message is the key. Yeah, and and I agree, and and like you said, that's not Tito. Uh, the the rah rah fire up, it, 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 you know, speeches kind of guy, isn't Tito. And uh, Clevenger talked about something in his post game uh, the other night, uh, talking about like earning the respect of that guy of, of of Tito. He he is held with such high regard and high esteem by his players uh, because he's got the track record that he has. I. I don't think that he needs to go in there and, and uh, you know, fire them up. I, I, I think he's, he's built the situation right now where they, they, they self-motivate. Yeah, uh, and they, and they know what time it is. They're veteran guys. They know what the season is. They, yeah. These guys have played in the World Series. They went to game six of the World game seven of the World Series two years ago. Just, they, you know, they, they, they won 102 games last year. They, they, they were in the postseason last year. This is a pretty tested team, and, uh, you know, I, I think they'll respond when, when the time is right. All right. From, uh, from out of left field, literally, uh, Matt Wells uh, said, tweeted at us and said, Yonder Alonso played a few games in left field for the Reds in 2011. Uh, any thoughts of moving him there next year if Brantley isn't re-signed? Uh, yeah, no. I, no. <laughs> I don't think Yonder would be in no. favor of that. <laughs> I, I think Yonder's perfectly comfortable at first base. What is this to make room maybe for Yandy Diaz at, at first base? I'm I'm just guessing. Yeah, I, I don't yeah know. maybe. Uh, who knows? I, I I guess you're you're presupposing that they won't sign um, Michael Brantley. I mean, you're, they're going to make him. They're going to have to make him a qualifying offer in order to get compensation for him if he leaves as a free agent. Uh, yeah. we, we talked about that, but and and there's a chance that hell Michael Brantley might take. Eighteen million dollars, yeah, for one year. That's but, nice. but he's definitely played his way into deserving a uh, a multi year deal. Uh, if not from the Indians, then from somewhere. <clears throat> definitely, definitely. I've got one from. Um, let's see who this is from. This is from Rob Moaning from Toledo. He's got some ideas on the pace of play. Oh, okay. okay. How to improve the pace of play? Three foul balls in an at bat, and you're out. 22nd, 22nd pitch clock, and the batter must stay in the box. Wow. Then there's a, if there's a, uh, then you've got to have a, uh, a leadoff line at first base. 
if <laughs> lead off line at first base, and if the if the runner is behind the line and a pitcher throws over there, it's a ball. Wow. <laughs> now that's some radical stuff. There's some, right there's there. some, some revolutionary things in there. Uh, the, there are te- uh, the Red Sox, and uh, in particular, would would never allow the uh, the three foul balls and 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 you're out. Uh, yeah, that sounds like six year old t ball. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I, that's you know what that is. That's beer league softball. That's uh, yeah. You get a courtesy foul and then you're out on the uh, the the next one. Ah, uh, yeah. That there are teams whose strategy is to go up there and spoil as many pitches as possible to to wear down a starting pitch. You're you're messing with the strategy of the game if you do that. That's when yeah, I was a little kid, I, we, my, I'd be watching the Indians with my dad or listening to it on the radio. And I said, Dad, how many, how many foul balls do these guys get? And, and he goes, oh, they usually get about, you know, until you're out. He goes, you can hit about 100 foul balls. You know, which is like <laughs> humoring me. But, you know, that, I was thinking about that when I read that question. You know, the 22nd the rule, I think there is a 22nd rule, you know, that a pitch has to be delivered. Right, and that's been on the books yeah. for a long time. That that's not anything right. revolutionary, but you got you've got a clock now in the outfield. Yeah. That's that's uh, that's for in between, you know, at bats. Yeah. But like this that. this twenty second clock could be coming. You know, it's in it's in the Arizona Fall League. I think it's mm-hmm. in the minors now, from Double A to Triple A. Uh, so I think you know, I know that Rob Manfred wants that. Uh, the union is fighting against it. Uh, we'll yeah. see how that works. Uh, yeah. But, but I, and, and, but you, you, like, even even if you you make the, the hitter stay in the box, you know, if he fouls a ball off, you know, he can step out. If right. if, if he gets knocked down with the pitch, you know, he can, you know, dust himself off. Right. There's always ways for a pitch for a hitter to leave the box, even if you have that rule. And you know, the more that these the the minor leaguers, you know, work with the twenty second pitch clock, the more they're going to be accustomed to it by the time it's it, they come up. So. So you're not going to have the the resistance to it uh, that you, that you you know could. I, I just think once it's something that they play with that they're accustomed to, it's going to nobody's going to even question it. You know, years down the road. So uh, and and if it if it advances Manfred's uh, you know platform of the games need to be three hours and that's final. Well, good luck in September when they're when the <laughs> rosters are forty man. I I I like Tito's idea that he floated out there, uh, you know, in a in a pregame uh, press conference or earlier, uh, maybe maybe it was earlier this homestand. He mentioned about you know maybe having the rosters expanded at the beginning of the season, when when you actually need it, when you know there's you know pitchers are right. are just working, and, and that could change strategies. And plus, you know, you wind up cutting a guy and then re-signing him. Uh, a week later or something like that uh anyways like we've seen with like we saw with so many of the guys in the in the bullpen for the Indians this year uh it was just such a, a carousel of of uh, names how many times did they resign you know Matt Belisle and things like that right yeah uh, you know it would it would avoid something like that uh, I think it, it, expanding the roster but you know having it be a set number each night would it that's something they should definitely consider yeah, that's not bad. With uh, I got one more here from Keith, right. when Keith Douglas in Chardon. Uh, in when the Indians were in Kansas City recently, um, uh, a Kansas City pitcher committed a balk and a run came home on the balk. 
uh, was that an earned run? And I had to check with the f- official scores, of course, but it <laughs> is an earned run. Just so, you know, it, it makes, I guess that makes sense. Oh, yeah. But, it, but it, it does count as an earned run. Well, and, you know, we haven't, uh, we haven't seen ter- too terribly many, you know, blocks from, by the Indians this year, I, I don't think. I think they've done no. it. I, I think I'm pretty sure Clevenger's the one that I always worry about because he, he has that, like, little stepping mechanic yeah. that he uses when he comes set. But as long as he's, he's got it down. And, and Clev uh, talked after his outing uh, last night, he he talked about the the changes that he made since uh, the series in uh, Cincinnati uh, a few starts ago, uh, the one where he walked six guys, and then since then he's he's pretty much been lights out. So, uh, just the the improvement that he's he's shown, he's really solidified the uh, the rotation with with the work that he's done and and the sort of the the pitcher that he's maturing his way into. Uh, pretty impressive uh, for Mike Clevenger lately. Yeah, you know, speaking of Clevenger and Box, you know, his rookie year when he first came up with the Indians, he did have a, you know, he did get warned a couple times. You know, the umpires really warned him. And then the following spring training, they, they talked to him about it. And he, he really worked on that. Like you said, the toe tapping kind of thing or just mm-hmm. when he gets settled. So he, he, he worked on that. And uh, I think it's, it's worked out for him. You know, he's won, what, his last four decisions – you know, he could be a big part of this uh, rotation now, especially if Bauer doesn't come back. And, you know, I thought they made a mistake last year when they moved him to the bullpen for the postseason. Right. He was on a roll and, uh, you know, in late September. And then, you know, he, he went to the bullpen and he stopped throwing strikes. He's, and, he, you know, they thought he was going to be a weapon in the bullpen and they couldn't use him because he was walking people. All right. All right. Well, uh, the, the Indians head out, uh, like we said, on their penultimate road trip of the uh, – this season, I got to use penultimate in a podcast. <laughs> uh, what's your, what's your, you found your passport, right? You're, you're all yes, good. I got my passport. Uh, what's I'm your favorite thing? Me. What's your favorite thing about Toronto? What's what do you look forward to the most uh, being up in, in Toronto for? You for, know, I, when I used to stay with the ball club, they stayed at the uh, the, the Westin, uh, right, right uh, on on the water, and uh, right on Lake uh, Lake Ontario there. And you could walk along the water to the ballpark, to uh, you know Rogers Center. It was really cool. It was a cool, uh, cool little walk. But I'm staying out, out a little farther out this time. But that that was my favorite part. And it's a good city, good city to walk around in. Uh, but yeah, it was it, that that was my favorite part to go up to. And I like watching the roof open at the <laughs> uh, at Rogers Center. That's that's a good thing too. Just sit there and stare at it for a while. All right, yeah. and then after Toronto, obviously. Uh, they head down to Tampa, and who knows what's in store. That they could clinch in Tampa. There, there could be some celebration. So, uh, you know, pack your uh, pack your rainproof gear. For okay. the, you know, that's a good because, that's a good idea. Yeah, because you know they're going to be coming after you in the in the clubhouse. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're close to clinching, aren't they? Yeah, they 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 could be within eight games by the end of tonight, and uh, and even you have to stay on your toes. Please keep us all up to date on what happens next in the Terry Francona, Kevin Cash uh, prank war. Uh, I thought it was pretty classic uh, Cash wheeling Francona's uh, beloved scooter out into to shortstop and putting a bounty on it during the yeah, uh, that was good. practice. Uh, it, it escaped with uh, a dent in the, uh, the side, I guess uh, Tito said. But, I wonder if insurance covers that. Yeah, uh, well – 
Tito's worried that uh, something's going to go up on the scoreboard in Tampa, but but heck, who's going to see? Even Tampa folks aren't even going to going to be at the game to see anything on the scoreboard for Tito in Tampa. Yeah, it usually just it's from what I've seen the the, the you know the prank war usually happens in Cleveland. It's it's kind of mellow in in Tropicana Field, but who knows? And 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 to, over the last couple of seasons, Tito's really been the instigator in all this. And and right, yeah, and he's telling me he's like, I want Cashy to know that it's me doing this. So <laughs> yeah, I we are we are eagerly awaiting the 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 next update from the uh, the the Kevin Cash Terry Francona prank war and we will uh, rely on you to give us those uh, that information next week paul all right joe all right my assignment <laughs> talk to you soon all right buddy thanks man